So uh, Luke chapter 15, um, let's just start reading at verse 11. Are you ready? We're going to read the Bible. We're in church. That's what we do in church. Okay, we're going to read the Bible. So read with me. I'll be reading from the New International Version, the really cool colored Bible right here. If you guys need one of these, you can get it. Spirit-filled. It speaks in tongues, too. It is, watch, praise God. Okay. It really is the Spirit-filled Bible. That's the edition. Jack Hayford is the editor. Uh, So it's the NIV, if you're reading along. If you're reading something that is quite a bit different, you might want to just listen. Verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of my estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth with wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the, la- the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring and put it on his finger. And sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf. Come on, somebody. Who loves filet mignon? Sometimes, if it's organic, praise God. (laughs) Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, say meanwhile. Meanwhile. That's just to keep your attention. There's no reason for that at all other than that. The older son was in the field. When he came to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father, your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. He refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and you never... And never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who had squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother of yours was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he is found. Can you say amen? Amen. That's a lot of verses to read on a Sunday morning. I just want to congratulate you for reading the Bible with me at church. You are officially a Christian. Amen. I'm just kidding. Have you ever got caught 
doing what you, your parent or dad or somebody said, don't do that. And you literally just did the opposite. That moment, you know what I'm talking about, right? I remember growing up and I remember growing up. Thank God I have a memory of myself growing up. I remember growing up and uh, one time my dad gave me an ATM card. (laughs) Big mistake. Use this for emergency, son. And only withdraw it if you need gas. He doesn't talk like that, but for some reason it sounds better. You know, he emphasized, use this for emergencies. Don't use it unless you really need it. Well, about a month or two later, he looks at the bank statement, and I didn't realize, I thought, like, food was an emergency, you know? I thought 7-Eleven, how many have ever gone to 7-Eleven? Because you needed those donuts. Come on, somebody. Oh, glory to God. You needed that, you know, that energy drink to pick you up. Okay, Dad, I can't do my work without Red Bull. I had to go to 7-Eleven. So bank statements come. I spent, don't, listen, don't, don't judge me. I spent almost $1,000. I was a teenager, okay? I didn't realize 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there, 40 bucks here, 60 bucks there. Blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm talking about, right? How is our account only $100? What in the world? It's all those trips to 7-Eleven. So I... Uh, <laughs> I got caught, and I, I remember my dad, I was like, I'm going to get beat. Like, and my dad, he didn't, like, beat me, but I'm like, he's going to this time, you know. <laughs> he swatted me good a few times. I know it hurt his hand because it hurt my bottom. But I'm like, I, I remember that moment, like, okay, this, now I'm going to tell you one more story, and then I'm going to preach to you, okay? Can I tell you another story? Is that all right? The moments we get caught, uh, the moments we do what we're not supposed to do. So this other time... Um, I, I was getting stronger because I'm like a teenager, you know, and I'm growing up and I think I'm stronger at least, right? I look at myself in the mirror and I have a tiny little pectoral, so I think I'm like, I'm all of a sudden buff, you know? We look way better than we really are maybe, I don't know. But So I'm, uh, I'm pretty swole though, praise God. <clears throat> you know, Jermaine and I have been working out. Actually, he probably could show me a few things. John McConaughey, where's John at? John, right there. Come on, somebody. Give it up for the buff folks in the house. Come on, somebody. They're like, stop. So embarrassing, guys. At the same time, they're flexing. (laughs) Because the whole church is looking at them. They're like, not really, bro. Where's the cafe? It's right over there. And then John looks at his woman. What's up, baby? So what was I saying? Okay, so I'm growing up and you know, listen, dads probably know this, have older sons. Your sons start getting big and they think they're way tougher than they really are. So I had one of those moments like, come on, dad, I've been wrestling. Like you taught me everything you know. And I learned some more on top of that. And I remember trying to wrestle my dad one time and I'm like, come on. And I was, I was messing around, but then this look came over his countenance that really freaked me out. I'm like, dad, it's your son. You're one and only, you're beloved. And he looked at me, and he's like, oh, okay, you want to play? And he took his ring off. I'm not playing. Then he took his watch off. I'm like, that's what he does when he fights. I'm thinking, like, that's not good. I didn't speak in tongues yet, but I probably could have in that moment. And, and he's like, he did this thing. He's like, come on, one time, son, one time. And I'm like, what does one time mean? I'm thinking, like, one time what, you know? <laughs> One time. Nowadays, that's like urbanic for the popos heading this way, right? <laughs> One time, like, where's the cops? I gotta go. I got warrants. I was like 15. I didn't have warrants. So, 
He freaked me out in that moment. This is a true story. He's not here. He's not feeling well. So I was hoping he'd be here to remember that. Uh, but I, I, I remember the moment where I said, my dad is still my dad. He used to say this thing. How many of you ever heard this? You mess with the bull, you get the horns. I didn't get it until this moment. <laughs> or he said this other thing that his dad said. You can get as big as a house, son. You'll never be able to whoop your pops. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. You guys feel me? Right? That was one of those moments I said, I need to slow down. And um, I, I, it was one of those moments where I kind of got caught. Now, I want to share with you this, this powerful illustration that Jesus gives through the lens of the first century. We have moments in life, obviously, where we, we kind of get stuck or we get caught or something gets exposed. But this story is way more than that. Now, I want to I share with you, first of all, it's, it's a pretty simple parable as far as the way it's illustrated. Father has two sons, right? The father gives his inheritance to both of his sons. He divided the inheritance. That's what the scripture says. Now, I want you to understand something that today that might sound like, hey, dad, give me that college fund of $50,000, let's say, and, and I, I want my college fund now because I'm going to go, I want my inheritance now. Or, or maybe there's a life insurance policy or whatever. I want that $150,000 now. In this culture, in the context of this culture, what he did was completely disrespectful. As a matter of fact, in this culture, he could have got smacked across the face and completely severely punished for even saying it. Because what he was actually saying, hear me, he was saying, Dad, you're dead to me. Now, why am I telling you this? Because it makes the father looked a little differently. The father was just like, okay, son, here's your inheritance. I hope you don't blow it all. It was more than that. It was literally, it was a son saying, you know what? I wish you were dead and, it, and your life doesn't matter to me. I want all my inheritance now. But what does the father do? The father displays such a great love and he gives him the freedom to say, okay, here it is, son. Now, interesting, contextually, this is one of the things I'm going to bring out in this message is this message, this story is about unity in God's house. It's about understanding, hear me, the Father's love and that brings us together as brothers and as sisters in Christ Jesus. The older brother, historically, in this culture, should have stopped and been the reconciler because he's the older brother and said, don't talk to dad that way. Let's make this right. This is not right. But instead, he took his inheritance. So just reading it right off the bat, we think, well, the son's tripping. He's asking his dad for something that he shouldn't. But it was more than that. There was issues with the older brother and the younger brother that are not really Im implied just reading it like that. So I want to read it. You guys know the story. He went out. He set off for a country and he squandered his money. He ended up squandering his money. It, it shows here that he squanders money in a Gentile land, which emphasizes how far gone he was. Uh, he's feeding pigs. How many know in the Old Testament, Hebrews did not eat swine? Come on, somebody. I had some bacon yesterday and it sure was good too. Hmm. How many are thankful they're in the new covenant? Can we just give a praise offering for bacon right now? Come on, somebody. Slow clap at the end of an 80s movie. Clap, 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 clap. clap. Come on, you guys got to learn that. Okay, we do it at the end of movies with my kids. Rochelle is so embarrassed every time we do it. 
So he's squandering his money. He's in. He's eating pig food, right? He's eating the shrub, the pods. It's like an, a nasty shrub that's bitter that won't fill your stomach. He has nothing to eat. He's begging, and nobody's giving him anything. So he says to himself, now this is profound, because he rehearses this line when he comes back to the father, because really it was about him wasting his money, his inheritance, right? I mean, I think there's something, if you read the story, there's something in his heart where he, he has a broken relationship with his father. I mean, that's obvious. He's already just completely disrespected his dad. So then he, he rehearses this prayer. I want to read it with you. Are you ready? He says, he came to his senses and he says, how many of my father's servants have food to spare? He says, I'm going to go back to my father and here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Here's what he says. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Now, I want you to, I want you to remember that. You could even highlight it in your Bible because I'm going to show you something that is left out in the moment he sees his father. That is not all in there in the moment that he sees his father. Now, check this out. He's a long way off, and it says the father saw him. Now, this is really powerful. You have to understand something, that in this culture, when you disrespect your dad, your relationship with your dad will actually affect your relationship with your entire community. This is is incredible. Now, reading that in, in our culture, we don't really get that. But what this story exemplifies is the love of God. But I want you to understand something, that... His son could have been punished, right? His son could have been punished for doing what he did. He comes home. Now, the father didn't have to have compassion on him. But I want you to get this picture, okay? The father knows this, and this is something contextually that went on. If a community knew the son was coming back, this community knew the son was coming back, he could be facing slander. He could be facing a mob that could physically harm him. So when he came back, he wasn't just coming back to humble himself and make something right with his dad. And I just want to be a servant. I'll just work for you. I don't have to live in the house. I'll be a a slave. I'll be a servant. I don't have to live in the house. I don't have to be part of the family. I'm not worthy to be your son. I'll just be a part of the community and I'll hopefully make it. But in this context, when he's coming back in, he, he was facing, picture this. Imagine the son coming back in and there could have been people on the outskirts of town saying, there goes that kid that disrespected his father. He's the one that wasted all of his inheritance. Here he comes back. He's probably dirty. He's probably filthy. And he walks back in town and he could have been, he could have been beat up. Literally, he could have got jumped, right? He could have got messed up. And here's what the father does. And this is so powerful. It says the father is moved. He sees him from a long way off. He's moved with compassion, right? And he runs and he embraces him and he kisses him. Now check this out. The father's an old man, right? That's his old man. This is a, this is a like a grown up, an adult in in Middle East culture in this time. Great men do not run in public. They walk because they are upright, because they are astute, because they have, uh, you know, they're they're just they're they're old, they're adults, and they don't they don't run in public. So, him running to his son was actually a, hum, a, a humiliating thing for him, but it displays the nature of the father's heart wanting to protect him. Now, here, this is what I'm getting out of this. 
Imagine this guy coming back in. He's expecting he could get mobbed. He could get slandered. He could get beat up. Uh, he's not knowing what his father's going to say. He's trying to humble himself to just get. He wants to eat like this guy just wants to survive. But his dad comes and his father comes and humiliates himself in front of the whole community. And he says, no, this is my son. Now let's read together. Let me just bring out. Isn't that powerful? You guys get anything out of this? Just say yes. Just lie to me. It's okay. I'll preach better. Okay. Praise God. Don't lie in church. How dare you? Why would you do that? While he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. The kiss represents forgiveness and reconciliation. In front of the whole community, this loving father who's already displayed such great compassion for the son's behavior. The son hasn't even repented yet. Write that down. Before you repent, God has already had his heart set on you and had compassion on you and looks at, looks at you with eyes of love. Well, you have to repent of your sin. That just throws a little wrench in that thing right there, doesn't it? It's God's goodness that leads you to repentance. Do I believe there should be a change of heart? Yeah, but the reason there's a change of heart is because he loves you. You, you love him, why? Because he first loved you. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I ordained you to go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. You see, when, when we encounter the love of God, it turns our heart. Something happens. He hasn't repented yet. He hasn't said one word. He's walking and he's expecting who knows what. And the father runs to him and kisses him and says, you're forgiven. You're restored. I love you. So powerful. You see, part of the gospel mission for us is to preach the remission of sins not repentance and the remission of sins is repentance is change the way you think. Stop thinking God's mad at you. You see, Jesus came, I'm preaching now, listen. Jesus came to change the paradigm. This reveals the heart of the Father. Jesus came to reveal the heart of Daddy God. And when we get the glory of the Father, it's a revelation of His love. Guess what love does? Love unites us. Love causes us to walk in forgiveness. Love causes us to be uh, right with one another. So the Father, before any repentance or anything, any now He's considered an honest sinner, right? He's considered, He's trying to make things right. So He comes... And his father kisses him. You guys know he, he has compassion for him and, and he loves on him. And, and then the son says, here's his prayer. Check it out. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So remember that pre-rehearsed prayer? He didn't get the last part out. Make me one of your hired servants. I believe the father stopped him because he was going to make sure he knew, no, you're not a servant. You're a son. Come on, somebody. Look what he does in the next verse. Hey, servants. Go get the best robe and put it on him. In other words, he's telling the son, listen, no, no, stop right there. I don't need to hear the rest. Jesus is telling the story. It's an earthly father, but it's, it's possible, but it's exemplifying the nature of the father's heart to humanity. And he says, no, no, stop. You're not a servant. Don't even let that prayer come from your lips. Servants, go get the best robe. You know what the best robe? That's daddy's suit. That's the one he wears on Easter. That's the one he wears it. That's the one he wears to weddings. You're going to wear my suit tonight because you're royalty, son. You're not a servant. No, don't even let that come from your lips. You're a son. See, this whole journey for both of these brothers, which there's so much in here about him, I'm probably not going to be able to get up to all of it. But it's about learning 
our sonship. And so he encounters the father and he's just being loved on and he, he begins to be honest. I've, I've, I've sinned against heaven. But the father said to his servants, quick, get the best robe, put a ring on his finger. That was a signet ring. That, rep, that exemplifies trust. Like the father says, no, I trust you. You're my son. He didn't have to earn trust from the father's heart. He says, no, you're my son. From the same heartbeat that God, uh, that the father said, no, you can, you can go ahead and have all your inheritance. Although it's a major insult, you can have all of your inheritance. That's the love that freedom, that's the freedom that love gives. And so he goes on and he says, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. That represents that he is, he is free in his house. That he's not a servant, that he's like a, the servants didn't have sandals like sons did. They had, their feet were protected. Come on, somebody. Then he says, bring the fatted calf. Now, later on, we read the the older son, right? The older son is like, you never even killed a goat for me. So this wasn't a goat. This wasn't a, a sheep. This was the fatted calf. Come on, somebody. Who's ever been to a really, really, really good steak restaurant in your life and enjoyed it? All the vegans said, heck no. One time I was preaching and some dude, he's got a little hood in him. Instead of amen, he was like, hell yeah. And I'm like, we're like, praise God. Some people after the service like, did you hear that dude? His amen was hell yeah. Like, All right, praise God, whatever. I'm going to judge him. And he was like, after he said, he's like, oh, I'm in church. You ever had a really good steak? This was the fatted calf. Now check it out. This wasn't just a meal for the father and the kids and the servants. This was for the entire community. A fatted calf in this day would feed over a hundred people. You know why? Because the father, oh, this is so good. He wanted the whole community to know, no, this is my son. He's forgiven. Don't mess with him. Don't slander him. You can't touch him. He's Look, he's got my robe. He's got my ring on his finger. He's my son and I love him. And I, it's as if he never did anything against me. My heart is for him and I love him. And we're going to rejoice. And we're going to dance and we're going to party down. Come on, somebody. And they drank wine too. Oh, they were sipping saints. They partied down. This was the real deal. And the father wanted to, wanted to exemplify that, no, I'm inviting the whole community because he is restored from now on. How powerful is that if we can not only receive that acceptance and that love in our own life, but when a prodigal comes home, we don't make them jump through religious hoops. We don't look at them weird because they binge. We don't have this wall. I, I hear stories from people, man, and it, it just it grieves my heart. I was meeting with a young man this last week, and he was telling me how he was a part of this church. And it was like because he, you know, he had family that was in ministry, and he struggled a little bit as a teenager. It was like he was an outcast. That is so the opposite of the very heart of God. You see, the one that's the misfit and the outcast is the one that Jesus pulled close to his heart. He ate and drank with sinners because that's what he came for. He didn't come to call the righteous, right? He didn't come to call the hypocritical saints. He came to call the honest sinners. He came to call the people that were willing to say, listen, I, I blew it and I need love and I need restoration. 
The heart of the Father is so exemplified in this. The fatted calf was killed. There's dancing. There's singing going on. One of the oldest Bibles uh, known is the Syriac. The Syriac and the Peshetta. And the Syriac says that they heard a symphony. You know what that word is? That's the Greek word for agreement. That's the Greek word for harmony. That's the Greek word for unity. Listen, the older brother's walking up on this and he hears a sound of unity that disturbs him on the inside. Now, are you getting this this morning? You see, the story is about one son who's rebellious in his body and in his heart, and he rolls out. And the older son is rebellious in his heart, but he's still in the house. You could be a son and still possess the spirit of a servant. You could be a servant and still live in the house. Hello? Why? Because you don't know the Father's love. And when we live like servants and slaves and we live in that servant attitude where we don't understand our sonship, we're not going to get along. You see, the orphan spirit is the stench that draws offended people together. It's not the spirit of God. Oh, that sounds, that's a good word right there. The orphan spirit is what wedges believers apart. But the spirit of the love of the Father, that unite, love is a, you can write this down, love is a passion for unity. If there's disunity, there's a lack of love. But love is a passion for unity. So the story goes on, kills the fatted calf. The son hears the sound of unity. He's like, what is going on in here? He says, your brother came home. Your brother came home. And they're partying down. He's immediately angry. Now look what he says. Look at his response. First of all, he doesn't call his father, father. There's no title in this portion. Although throughout the whole rest of the parable, there's a title of father and son. Right here, the son automatically disrespects his father. I don't have time to get into this all the way like I want to, but let's just read the last few verses here. Are you ready? So the older brother's ticked off. That's, that's my paraphrase, okay? He's ticked off, and he refuses to go in. Now, this was a huge insult. This is like, you guys remember Ezra, or you remember Esther and the story in the Old Testament where Esther uh, and the king has a feast. You remember this? And Vashti didn't show up to the feast. That was a huge insult. The king, it says, was burning with anger in his heart. The father could have been very angry at this moment. This was a huge insult. The older brother was expected to do the same thing the father did, which is to love and embrace his brother. You see, the whole story was about God, or about the father wanting his sons in his house together. As a matter of fact, when he divided the lot, this is so powerful, when he divided their inheritance, there's a Hebrew tradition that when you're living in the same house and you get an inheritance, And brother to brother, there's a Hebrew uh, saying, it's where we get the word dwell together. What do you think Psalm 133 is talking about? Listen to this. Psalm 133, everyone quotes it. Let's quote it in context. How good and how pleasant. Come on, if you know it, say it. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to be found together in unity. To dwell together. This was about dwelling together in unity. So the the brother's mad. He doesn't call his father by father. Here's what he says. I've been slaving for you and you never and never disobeyed your orders. You You can think that you haven't disobeyed anything God told you. But if you're not loving your brother, you're disobeying your father. You're disobeying the commandment of love. 
That's a good word right there. Amen, PZ. Thank you, Jesus. He says, you never gave me a goat. But here you go, given the brother that squandered all this stuff, and he emphasizes with prostitutes. That's not what Jesus said earlier on the story. We don't know if he did that. He probably just blew all of his money. We don't know that that's how he left. We don't know that's how he actually lived. So he goes on. He says, but when the son squandered the money, you kill the fatted calf for him. Now, here's what the son said. The father again, the father again in the story portrays great compassion. He could have, he could have punished his son for not coming in the house. He could have said something entirely different, but he comes out and he's moved. He entreats him. And he says, this is so good. Are you ready? This, this is a type that the, the younger son is a type of an honest sinner. And the older son is a type of a hypocritical saint. And both of them need the father's love. And there's both all in this room. At one point in time, we live that way. We're either on one side or the other. But we need the father's love. I love this verse. This is so powerful. He says, I've been slaving for you. Again, he... He's literally just, he's consumed with the spirit of a servant instead of a spirit of a son. I've been slaving for you. And he goes on. And he also, listen, check this out. He doesn't say, my brother. He says, your son. Me and my wife do that when our kids are bad. (laughs) When our kids are bad, your kids are tripping, right? When they're good, my kids are just so well behaved. They're acting just like me. Perfect, right? Why is it we always do that? Isn't that funny? It's like we don't want to identify with the the junk that we need to get rid of in our own life. So he says, the father says, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. In other words, you can't work. You can't slave and earn a fatted calf. I bet if he would have just asked the father at any time, the father said, you want the fatted calf? Let's do it. Come on, somebody. And he goes in here and he says, let's just continue reading verse 22. He says, you've always been with me and everything I have is yours. Verse 22, but we had to celebrate and was glad and, and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The father wanted his sons to get along and live in his house together. The father wanted to know his love. The father wanted his sons to know how loved they were. And both of them had to experience what they experienced. We don't know the rest of the story for the older brother. I think Jesus leaves it hanging like that because there is a possibility for someone to reject God's love. But I think it's really hard when they really know the love of the Father. But as a people, can we just stop and say, God, reveal your love to us in a greater way. The moment I think I've got God down, he blows my mind with a greater revelation of his love. The moment I say, oh yeah, I know God, Jesus is my friend, you know, God is always bigger than your revelation of him. And I want to be a people as a church, as sons and daughters, that we don't live in a house, but possess the spirit of a servant, but we know the father's love and it unites us and we dwell together in unity and we walk in forgiveness and we encounter the compassion of the father that will come. In all humility, it's the story of the incarnation. Jesus himself took on flesh. Why? Because he wanted to forever be joined with you. 
it wasn't just the result of sin. It was always God's plan to be joined with humanity forever. That's the love of the Father. That is the love of God. I want you to close your eyes right now. And uh, if you just put on some worship, just put on a song right now, a Father song, something that will just release this message. Father, I thank you for your great love. I thank you for the acceptance and the compassion and the deep burning love that you have for us. Even before repentance, even in our squandering our inheritance, even in our wastefulness, even in our wrong thinking, even in our, uh, in our vengeance mindsets, even when, Lord, when there's mobs slandering us or somebody waiting for us around the corner, it feels like you're there and you come in humility and you pour out your love upon us and you kiss us, God. We deserve a smack from the mob that you, you just, you stop the mob and you give us a sloppy, wet kiss. It's sloppy because it just hits us that way. It's like the the ocean waves just crashing into us. Father, I pray right now for the hurting hearts in this room that a greater revelation of the love of God would come now. You would no longer see yourself as a serpent, but as a son, as a daughter, come alive. And who you are in God. He's kissing you. He's kissing your little face right now. Daughter's your daddy's girl. Just let him kiss you. My, my wife was taking my daughter to her first dance. I said, you better bring her here so I can kiss that precious little daughter of mine before she goes out on this dance. Daughter's daddy's kissing you. Daddy's loving on you. Sons, he's pulling you close to his heart. He's putting a robe. He says, you can wear my robe because you look just like me. He's putting a ring on your finger because he says, I can trust you. You're my son. I'm proud of you. He's putting shoes on your feet to remind you you're not a servant. You don't walk around without sandals. You are my son. Lord, we feast on the life that you've given us. We feast on the love that you display to us. And we drink it in and we take it in right now. I want to ask you right now, intercessors, just lift up a prayer. If you're in this room and you're saying, God's heart is just, I can just feel the heartbeat of the Father right now in my life. I want to know the acceptance. I want to know this love. I want you to quickly, without hesitation, lift one hand in the air. Say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I can feel the Father's love touching my life right now. God's presence is here. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hand up. There's hands going up. Just lift one hand in the air real high so we can see it. Lift it. One hand in the air. The only people I want looking right now is maybe the prayer team. You lifting up your hand. That's it. You can put your hand down. When we invite people up later after we dismiss, I want you, those that raise your hand, come to our prayer team, but I want to pray for you first. I want you to put your hand on the person next to you on their shoulder. Would you do that? If you're next to your spouse, if you're next to one of your kids, maybe just a brother or sister, try to be gender specific. It's healthy. 
And I want you to say this. And as you're saying it, you're releasing it over the person next to you. Say, Father, Papa, I'm not a slave. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. Let the spirit of adoption, say it, let the spirit of adoption flood my being right now. I receive your love. Now, as you're saying that, just release the love of God over the person next to you. There it is, crashing like a wave. Crashing like a wave of God. Oh, Papa, your love is amazing. Oh, Papa, we get along when we sit in your lap. When we're close to you, it's impossible not to love one another. When we know your heart, it's impossible not to love and forgive and live together in unity. When I know my father's heart, it's impossible for me not to love my bride with the love of Jesus. Fathers turning to the sons and sons turning to the fathers. Mothers to daughters and daughters to mothers. Restoration. I declare restoration. May the prodigals come home. Come to this house. We will welcome them. We will love them. Right now, one last thing. I release the affection of the Father right now. I release the affection of the Father right now. One more time. Would you just lift your hands and receive it right now? Shashiva's love is so real. I release the affection of the Father. Oh, Papa, how you love Behold what love the Father has bestowed upon us that we would be called the children of God. We're kids. We release the affection of the Father. Maybe you lost your, your dad. Just receive his love. Maybe you never knew the love of a father. Just receive his love right now. Release the affection of the Father. Proud of you, son. Proud of you, son. more seconds. Would you intercessors just lift up a prayer and pray for everyone in this room to encounter the love of God in a deeper way. Release perfection of the Father. God's so proud of you. Daddy's so proud of you. He's always there. He, he wept over our moments of feeling orphan wounds. He wept over our moments where we felt neglected. He wept over the moments we felt rejected. And in this moment, he's displaying total acceptance, total, hear me, forgiveness, total freedom, total adoption. You are God's child. And I bless you in the name of Jesus. May you from this moment on never think any different, but a seed, a revelation of truth enters into your being that it just grows inside of you. May you mature in the love of God. May we dwell together in unity and may it be the commandment, the commanded blessing upon this house and may we overflow 
with the anointing of heaven in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Would you just seal it with praise? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you, God, for your love. Hallelujah. Come on, you can do better than that. Give him praise. He's worthy. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise. God, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Come on, as far as the east is from the west, the Lord has removed our transgressions from us. Come on, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, and forget not his benefits, who heals all your diseases, who forgives all your iniquities, who restores you with his loving kindness. Come on, he crowns you with his loving kindness. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually abide in my mouth because I'm a son. I'm a child of God. People can't take what they haven't given me. It doesn't matter who rejects me. I know who has accepted me 100% God. And we thank you for your love, Papa. We bless you. We glorify, we magnify, we extol you, King, King of glory. We extol you, Jesus. Shemayataha, in Jesus' mighty name. Would you shout out amen? One more shout of praise. Come on.